This is the Commission Church Online. Welcome to our podcast. We want to be a church who brings heaven on earth through the word of God and the love of Christ. I pray this week's message blesses you. I don't know where to start. Because there are times when we need to take a step back and let God do God things and not get in the way. And so that's my prayer today. I don't want to stand in God's way of Him wanting to speak to your heart, the deepest pressing needs of your life, and let God speak life into those areas. And that's my prayer. So shall we pray? Dear God, this morning we pray, God, that you would make yourselves known to us in a special way that we have not experienced before. We pray, God, that your glory be revealed and all of our eyes see it together. We give you glory, honor, and praise to your name. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So the most number of questions that I got over this weekend when I met or saw all my friends back again is, how does your schedule look like? <laughs> what do you do? And that could be another whole conversation that we can have. But basically what I do is I am a pastor to our armed forces. So those who wear the military uniform, I get to wear the military uniform with them uh, and be where they are. And the reason I say that is because we always talk about going outside of the four walls of the church and we use four walls of the church. Some of us are trying to break the walls down of our local church. But I want to give you a perspective that for me to come into the four walls of the church on Sunday morning, there's no other place I'd rather be than within the four walls of the church. So the four walls of the church is not really a barrier to go in and out because we need those four walls. As long as you have a door, those four walls are important. The doors will let us go in and out, but we need those four walls. So I hope that you're taking your local church very seriously. Because for those of us who are outside, need the four walls. So as we go out, what I do is I take Jesus to the people. And a lot of our airmen, soldiers, marines are between the ages of 17, 25 Many of them leave their homes because uh, they don't know what to do with their life. And so they think joining the military would give them some purpose and meaning. So they join the military. And the cool thing about the military is you can have God conversations there. Because uh, there are four pillars. Physical, social, mental, and spiritual. Sometimes we mix mental and spiritual and make it into some kind of fruit salad. But they are very particular about physical, make sure your physical fitness is in place. And uh, usually when we talk about military, we only think about physical fitness, but no, your social fitness should be in place, which means you need to be in community with each other. So it's almost like a church. Mental fitness should be in place, just like your physical, your mental state, if uh, when the rubber hits the road. We need to be ready, and so our mental state should be in place, but also our spiritual fitness. And so, more than the ranks that I wear, more than the medals that hang, 
It's really the cross on my uniform that I'm most privileged to wear. And the reason why I'm so privileged to wear that is because I was two when the Gulf War happened in Saudi Arabia, where I was born and when I grew up and uh, Saddam Hussein was throwing in missiles into Riyadh and you could hear those alarms go off and it was Saudi Arabia that gave the base for the United States to come in and push back Saddam and his forces, right? So uh, while that was going on, religious freedom was still not a thing there. Even today, it's not a thing. It was in 1998, the last Filipino pastor, last pastor who was a Filipino, was beheaded on a Friday. This was about 10 minutes away from our house, right? So this is in a place called Dira. Even today, public executions happen. And the last pastor was in 1998 who was beheaded for having a church in his house. While that's taking place 10 minutes away from our house on a Friday, there's a prayer meeting going on in our house. You wear a cross in Saudi Arabia? That is still offensive today. When I get to wear that cross every single day, that is a privilege and I wear it proudly because we understand that hope comes from the cross. It is the cross that gives us meaning and purpose in our life. One of the other things that I do is or chaplains do is meet a lot of individuals for counseling, be it marriage counseling or individual counseling. I notice that in the church, not a lot of us go to our pastors for counseling, but that's not the thing in the military because in the military, chaplains have 100% confidentiality by law. So by law, chaplains are non-mandatory reporters. They are the only ones who can't say a thing uh, that's spoken to you. Uh, in a counseling room. So when a member has something on his or her heart that's breaking them apart, they seek the chaplain because they know if they go to the chaplain, the chaplain won't tell any other person. So they come to me. Many of them may not have even walked into a church. They come to me, start sharing, they, they pour their heart out, some of them break down and um, utterly hopeless, looking for some hope. I tried this with uh, believers, unbelievers, and atheists. Once they emotionally throw up on me, I usually ask them, do you see this on my uniform? They look at my uniform and they say, that's a cross. Everybody knows the cross. And I say, do you know what happened on this cross? And these might be either victims or perpetrators or, or people who feel like they're about at the verge of taking their life away. They look at the cross and say, yeah, Jesus died on that cross. And I ask them, do, I, do you think that I wear this cross with pride? Or am I shaming myself by wearing this? And they say, well, you're wearing that because that's a badge of honor. So you're wearing that with honor. And I tell them, do you understand that this cross was not very honorable when Jesus died on it? They say, yeah, I never thought of it that way. And I say, when you feel 
utterly hopeless and fully shamed. This cross is today honorable because someone else took your place of shame. And today you can look at this cross and find meaning and hope because that shame was taken away. And I tried this on everybody. To this day, it works every single time. Praise God for the cross. Sometimes as believers, that's the reason why I say we look outside and we talk about the, the world outside that we need to reach and we forget the brokenness and the mess that we are in right here. We look outside so much that we fail to see the brokenness within each one of us. Yeah, we, we sometimes get enough close to look at the person sitting next to us or in front of us and behind us that we again are looking outside of us and fail to see the brokenness within us. And so this morning I want to encourage you. Jesus needs to be real for you too. Not just for everybody else. And I grew up in a tradition where the spotlight was always on me. If you want to be saved, you need to say this prayer. If you want to be really, really saved, you need to be baptized. You, if you want to be really, 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 really saved, you need to speak in tongues. But if you want to really, 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 really saved, you just need to attend church every Sunday. And wait, and wait, and wait, for Jesus. That makes you a perfect Christian. Spotlight was always on me. When I joined the ministry, the spotlight was on me. When I said, I want to raise my right hand and serve God, and I'm going completely off script. That's not my message. But the Spirit of God is ministering, so I'm going to keep going. So when I raised my right hand, I said, I'm going to serve God because if it's not for me, Jesus is not coming. I need to save all these people around me. And only then will Jesus come. And the spotlight was on me. I served in church because I felt like if I didn't do it, God wouldn't work. I prayed so that the Spirit would come because... If I don't pray and say the right words, the Spirit won't come. The spotlight was always on me. And this morning I want to ask this question. Where is God in the picture? Where is God in this picture? Are you the active one and God the passive one? Where is God in your story? Where is God at? The question is, is God in the loop? That's the title of my sermon this morning. Is God in the loop? If there's one thing that the military taught me, it's to email, right? Every communication happens on email. And the first thing that I did was I wrote up a nice looking email, sent it to my boss's boss. Immediately, I got called into the office because I wrote, wrote the perfect email and sent it to my boss's boss. You know what he asked me? He asked me, why is your boss not CC'd in the email? See, as a pastor, when I, when I was a pastor, 
I had an email, I sent it to that person and nobody needed to be CC'd because the spotlight was on me. I was the boss. But now I have a boss and a boss's boss and a boss's 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 boss and a boss's 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 boss. And everyone needs to be CC'd before I send it higher up. My boss needs to be in the loop. And many of us don't like that. We don't like people being in the loop because you want to get your things done with the minimum people getting in your way. And sometimes we do that even with God. We fail to include God. We fail to CC God in our day-to-day. Is Sunday the first day of your week or the last day of your week? The world has thrown a spin at it and made it to be the last thing that you do. Sunday. After work week, you are coming to decompress. You're coming on a Sunday morning to... uh, just recharge for the new week. But really, Sunday is the first day of the week. If God is your priority, you start your week with God on a Sunday. This day you came here not just to decompress from a last week or get prepared for the next week. You came here because you wanted to start this week with God. And many of you are in different stages of your life today. Some of you are trying to hit milestones at the right age, at the right time. Trying to look for a spouse because someone told you that you need to get married during this window. Some of you are waiting for a job because someone told you that you need to get a job or find a job for this. Or you're a failure is what they said. Someone told you that you need to promote after this window. So they've given you windows and you are planning and you're preparing, you're working towards it. Everything that you're doing is trying to fulfill a window that someone else placed for you. And the question again comes to us. Where is God in the picture? Is God in the loop? You might be planning to move from one line of work to another line. Where is God? Is God in the loop? You're making plans for your children to go to college and get them married to the individual that you plan for them. Where is God in the loop? You're planning for 20 years of service, planning for retirement. Where is God in that loop? As a a high schooler or college grad you're looking for your next thing and you have that window you have a clock that's ticking you're making plans you're writing out those plans you're praying for those plans you have a stack of paper where you lay your hand every 31st of December and you pray God if there's another year please grant me all my desires because the pastor told me if you pray for it You'll get it. I agree with the pastor. But where is God in the picture? That's where we are looking at this morning. James chapter 4 verses 13 to 17 is where we'll be this morning. James chapter 4 verses 13 
and there's a QR code as well. And uh, if you scan that, you'll get all the notes available to you at any time this week. James chapter 4, verses 13 to 17. Yeah, you can bring it up. Let me read this for you. Come now, you who say, today or tomorrow we will go into such and such a town and spend a year there and do business and make a profit. Yet you do not even know what tomorrow will bring. What is your life? For you are a mist that appears for a little while and vanishes. This is you and I saying, I have a plan. And uh, the quote says, if you fail to plan, you plan to fail. So we all need planners. We all need to write out our plan. Yes, there's a table that is set. There are two chairs that is here. And I know you're wondering why that's there. It's when I get tired, I get to choose where to sit. Simple answer. We all make plans to hit those time windows. And we say, come now you who say, let's go to this and this city. Make plans, spend a year there, do business, and make a profit. This is the perfect plan that I've ever found. Because they know how much time they need to spend. They need to spend a year. They also know that they need to do business. So they're not just going there for leisure, just to spend money. But they want to make use of their money, manage their money so well that they want to make a profit. This is great. This is a great plan to have, to go to a place, spend a year there, and do business, make a profit. And the scripture is so clear that the scripture is not against planning. In fact, all of us need a plan. If there's a fire in this building, do we have a plan? I hope we do. That's the reason why we have exit signs, right? Those of us who are on this side of the hallway, go that way, or the sanctuary. Most of us will immediately run to see church to get our kids. No, don't do that. If there's a fire, find your nearest exit, get out, and they'll do their part in getting the kids out too. Right? That's planning, and we need that. We need plans in place, or, or we'll fail. Uh, it's almost like in every uh, marriage, family, couple, relationship, usually what we see is, uh, we see uh, if one of them is a feeler, the other person is very analytical. Right? If one person uh, is uh, very keen on having a budget, staying according to plan, uh, the other person's like, No. Spirit is talking to a lot of couples today. <laughs> because that's, that's how it is. I'm yet to see a couple that thinks alike, finishes off every sentence before that ends. I, I'm yet to meet that couple. Usually God brings two members together just so that they complement one another. 
You need a free spirit and you need a nerd. <laughs> you need them to go together. You decide who you are. <laughs> you need Adam and Eve to be Adam and Eve. Right? At the end of it all, when the apple comes, both of you eat it, but... Uh, the, <laughs> But there's always that complementary nature. And so when it comes to planning, one member of the couple would be like, let's go to a restaurant. And on the way to the restaurant, they'll be like, no, let's not go there. Let's go somewhere else. And it drives the other spouse nuts. <laughs> there are other couples who... Plans and plans and plans and plans, but can never come to a decision. There's the other who says, if you're not making a decision right now, I'm running with it. In all of this, how is planning needs, how does planning work when it comes to the Word of God? When we all think differently, when we all work differently, when our marriages, when our uh, future uh, perspective and our financial worldview are all different, how can the Word of God throw light despite our differences? You might be a nerd, but the Word of God has something for you. You might be a free-spirited person, the Word of God has something for you too. And so, the Word of God speaks to all of us today saying, plant and make those plants solid, right? But the Word of God also reminds us why we need to plan with God in the loop. And it's two things. The reason why we need to plan with God in the loop is because verses 14 says, Yet you do not know what tomorrow will bring. What is your life? For you are a mist that vanishes for a little time and then vanishes. Two things. One, life is uncertain. Two, life is short. Life is uncertain and life is short. You can plan all you want. You can plan for four generations down. That's great. But the reality of scripture today is life is short and life is uncertain. A few years ago when I was in seminary is when one of the most traumatic, life-changing, life-altering situations happened in my life. So seminary in India is like boot camp, right? Uh, morning, you wake up at this time. Go to breakfast, go to class, go to lunch, go to class again, go to the library, go to sleep at 11, wake up again. So uh, weekends, Saturday is when I sleep in. So I slept in, I thought I was waking to another beautiful Saturday morning, but I get a call at 8.30 in the morning. I still remember that day. And it was from an ICPF staff worker saying, Noble just died who was my best friend who grew up with me in Saudi Arabia. Same age, we grew up as brothers. He calls me and says, Noble Dai, and I, I couldn't believe my ears because I said, 
I just spoke to him yesterday. Did you get the right information? I was so in denial that I couldn't believe my ears. That week, I don't know how each of those days went, but that week was a roller coaster ride. I remember even months later, I would wake up in the middle of the night completely in tears because I was so traumatized by that life incident. That gave me a perspective on life that also gave me a perspective on death. It definitely made me realize that life is short. At the age of 22, he was gone. He didn't wake up on a Saturday morning. And while we are here this morning, do you realize how many people our age, your age, did not rise up this morning to wake up and go to church? Some of us think our alarms woke us up. Some of us think our kids woke us up. Some of us, our parents still wake us up. But do you realize that God woke us up this morning? The, the ability for us to even put on our clothes, ask occupational therapists around us how many people our age, your age, are unable to even button their own clothes. God woke you up this morning. God brought you here to church and He is here to tell you the truth that life is short and life is uncertain. You can plan, but it is never predictable of how God wants it to go and where God wants it to be. And that is good news for us. That is great news for us. Some of you are carrying burdens that expectations, people, culture put on you. And you are carrying that and you brought it with you here at church. Not only are you bringing that here to church, you're taking that into your workplace. You're taking that into your marriage. You're taking that into your school. You're taking those baggages to places where you should be free. The reason why some of us couldn't even connect with God this morning is some of those baggages that you're carrying heavy on you because of weight that was placed on you. And I pray that this morning you will feel the freedom that comes from the Spirit because where the Spirit is, there is freedom. There is freedom available to you when you realize that life is short and life is uncertain. And scripture gives us a great imagery that it's like a vapor that vanishes. Which is why having a smoke machine is great in church because it vanishes. <laughs> Just imagine how it would be. You turn it on and then five, three days later you're coming in and you can't even see a thing. It vanishes. It goes. It goes. It's vapor. We are here today and it doesn't matter 20, 30, 40 years later. We don't matter. I wouldn't matter 100 years from now. Nobody would ever remember me. Life is short. And life is uncertain. And the world tells us that planning is important, but the wrong kind of planning is planning where it does not involve God. When you do not involve God in your planning, that's the wrong way to plan. For example, the world says, follow your heart, follow your dreams, follow your passion, follow your ambition. But the Word of God says, if you follow your heart, your heart is deceitful beyond the wildest imagination. Who can fathom it? Who can understand? You follow your deceitful heart, that's not going anywhere. Some of us go from church to church because we are looking for the perfect church. 
And every time you realize no church is perfect. If you, however, find that perfect church, please don't go there. Because you're going to make that church imperfect. <laughs> we are all messed up, broken, imperfect people relying on a perfect God. And together when we come and break bread, we are reminded of the brokenness of Calvary and the brokenness of our mess. And we connect that together because God takes that mess, our brokenness, puts a spin on it and sends us out, commissions us out, if you will, and give us to the world for glory. We are a gift to the world because God put a spin on us our mess. And now we can talk of our mess and say where it's at. Do you know where our mess is at? It's at the foot of the cross. All of our baggages are at the foot of the cross. We have messes. We have brokenness. But where is that? That's at the foot of the cross. Because He is there to hold it together. What is the right way to plan? The right way to plan is verses 15. Instead, you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we will do this or that. That translation says, instead, you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we will live and do this or that. As it is, you boast in your arrogance, all such boasting is evil. Instead, the Bible gives an alternative. The right way to plan is by saying, if the Lord wills. Now, um, in the Middle East, you go to any place, government buildings, uh, offices, stores, you ask them, hey, did the milk run out? And the shopkeeper there will look and, yeah, the milk ran out. Uh, can I come back in two hours and get milk? You know the, what the answer will be? It's always inshallah. If the Lord wills. It's almost like, yeah, you go to a government building and you say, hey, uh, I took my picture for this driver's license. Uh, can I get it in one week? You know what the answer will be? Inshallah. You go to your boss there and you say, hey, uh, I need to go see my parents for, for a week, 10 weeks, or 10 days. <laughs> 10 weeks, never. Yeah, uh, let's say 10, 10 weeks. <laughs> and uh, can I get leave? What's the answer? Inshallah. It's almost like a child coming to the parent and saying, can I get this Xbox? And you know what our answer is? We'll see. And the kid knows the answer is no. So inshallah or if the Lord wills, can always be used as a formula, right? We can use that, if the Lord wills, like we use and throw around, by God's grace, without any meaning, without any value. But when, if the Lord wills, when the word of God says means, if the Lord wills, Lord here means kurios. Kurios is the word that is used. Kurios means Lord. Who is the Lord? We use Lord Jesus Christ as synonyms. But no, Lord means the Lordship of Jesus. Who is the Lord over your life? Who is the head? Who is at the 
head of the table. And I want to bring this chair right. I don't want to mess up that pedal board. So I'll bring it right here. Who is at the head of the table? Who is the curios of your life? So when I was told that I need to be saved, and if you need to be saved, what do you do? You pray. What do you pray? Jesus, come into my life and be my Lord and Savior. And we use that as a formula sometimes, without any meaning, just like by God's grace, without any meaning to it. But the meaning to that is, Lord, you are the Lord of my life. You are the head of my life. You, my source comes from you. My life comes from you. So I was put in charge of a general's visit. He's General Michael Minahan, four-star general. They put me in charge of his visit. I needed to take care of his whole team, what he would eat, all his team members, where he would visit, where he would go. And I would have to report that to our colonel, who is our wing commander, right? So I met with our wing commander and being a chaplain, being a pastor, you don't do this stuff, right? You never did stuff like this. So I wanted to impress him. So he told me, hey, here's the plan. This is what I want you to run with. This is who he is. This is how many team members will be. This is what I expect from you. This is my intent for this visit. And this is his, the four-star general's first visit, and you're in charge. I ran with it. I made sure that every I's were dotted, every T was crossed. I planned, spent countless nights up just preparing and charting out the entire plan. Because I've done youth conferences. Come on now. So I put it all together. I wish there was a band, you know. And I made sure that the band of the Golden West was invited, where the trombone and all that. So great, great plan, great plan. And the day came where I had to report to our colonel, the wing commander. And uh, I go into his conference room. And his conference room and most rooms have a nice looking table not as nice as this but uh, <laughs> kind of like this so uh, the table's like that you have the nicest looking chair at the head right and every other chair is not so nice right so uh, usually the head of the table chair is unbelievable like you sit on it and you just want to nap right there right so the commander's chair is unbelievable every other chair is there and I feel like a uh, pastor has done a few youth conferences. Hey, I have this right. And I wanted to impress him. And I go into that room. And I see the chair. And I feel like I deserve it. Because it's not really our commander who spends sleepless nights. How many conferences do you think he did? I saw the chair and I felt like it has Rennie written all over it. <laughs> I sat on it. And I felt powerful. I felt like I was in control. I felt like when's the general coming? I'm ready. And immediately someone said, room ten shut. And I had to stand. <laughs> And I just walked up to this chair and I sat down. 
Because the Lord just walked into the room. When the Lord walks into the room, you stand up. You stand up and you get out of that seat and you better sit where you are supposed to sit. Some of us have been seated on that chair because we misinterpreted the word of God and the word of God was uh, interpreted in a way that made us feel like we are in control. We are in charge. If it's not for you, God will fail. God will win even if you don't play a part or even if you do. He is victorious. He is the Lord. In your marriage, who is at the head of the table? At your workplace, who is at the head of the table? As you carry out your day-to-day affairs, who is at the head of the table? Who is the Lord of your life? It's not just checking out a few boxes and saying, I'm a Christian because I do these things. But do you actually believe that Jesus Christ dictates your life? Are we surrendering our life and our all to Jesus? Because he is the Lord of our life. This morning there might be some of you sitting here who are confused, who, who do not know what the next step looks like. You look at fu- the future and there's so many uncertainties that you stop looking at it because you're just afraid to look at your future. Or you might be so traumatized by your past that that's affecting you right now. Or there might be others of us who might be thinking a little highly of ourselves and we are at the seat of the table. Man was made from the ground. He's an earthling and on his best day he's just dignified dirt. In fact, every living person is only worth about $3.57. When a person dies, all of their components return to death, dirt, And the value is only about $3.57. Maybe because of inflation, a little higher. That's why you can't think too highly of yourself. You're just not worth that much. So when you get into your Toyota Sienna minivan, it's only $3.57 driving a Toyota Sienna. It's $3.57 living in the Suburbs of California. It's $3.57 wearing designer clothes. It's $3.57 with more money in the bank than you're actually worth. As the worship team comes forward, we're concerned about the brokenness outside that we fail to see the brokenness within us. Where Jesus Christ still is not the Lord of our lives. And some of you, I wish you would just understand that it's not on you to save the world. You're trying to save your workplace. You're trying to save your children. You're trying to come to church for your children. I hope you don't serve God for your children. I hope you call on the name of Jesus for yourself. Don't even come to church for your spouse. At that point, who is at the head of the table? 
If you're at the head of the table, yeah, you're coming to church for your children because your children are on the sides of the table and you're commanding them what to do. You're at the head of the table. No, you better step out and let God lead your family. Let God lead your workplaces. Let God lead your assignments. What you're afraid of in the coming days, in the coming weeks, some of you are really apprehensive and anxious about the, some of the things that's about to happen in the next weeks or months. The assignment that's ahead of you. The plan that's ahead of you. The dreams that you have inside of you that has not been fulfilled and you are apprehensive. Let me tell you, let God be God because you and I are not. As the worship team leads us into a time, into a moment of worship. If there's anyone among us this morning who needs a prayer and the prayer is for something that is about to happen in your life or hasn't happened in your life that's really uh, you need God's touch there you, you, it, it's so heavy on you that's that's what the spirit is laying on my heart this morning that some of you have something so heavy on you that you're really worried about the uncertainty some uncertainty of your future the things that I thought I would speak I did not because the Spirit wants to talk to some of you and say, I got this. I saved the world. Trust me. <laughs> you don't have to save your workplace. You don't have to save your family. You don't have to say, Give that to the Savior. He is the Lord and Savior of all of our life. In terms of your spirituality, you can't save yourself. You cannot. Because we are, bottom line up front, messed up. <laughs> we need the Savior to clean our mess. And the more things that we touch, the more mess we make. Because we are just messy. And isn't it so beautiful that Jesus stepped into our mess, cleaned us up, and still trusts us, that He still trusts me to speak from God's Word. He still trusts us to serve and lead. He still trusts you and me. God is calling some of you to start serving too. The reason is because in the church, some of us can start serving too much. And if God is giving you that vision where God is ahead at the table, God will give you that vision and saying, hey, you need to give that person a break and you need to step up and fill that place so that there can be a rotation. There can be some kind of partnership. But if you are sitting at the head of the table, you come to church just to receive and not give. Some of us are giving too much that we end up sitting on the, at the head of the table and it's time to step out because you can't save catastrophes. Some train wrecks are meant to happen and you don't have to be the Savior because Jesus is the Savior. Shall we all stand in the presence of God this morning? You hold my life. You hold my future. You are the king. 
And as the church has been going through the sermon series on the Gospel of Matthew, Jesus is King. He is the King. He is at the head of the table. He is the Lord of your life. And the question today I want to ask you in that area of concern that you are in is, where is God in that story? Where is God in your mess? Where is God in your brokenness? Where is God? Do you experience Him? Do you feel Him? But here's the truth. Even if you don't feel Him, even if you don't see Him, He is there. Because even when you walk through the valley of the shadow of death, He is there. He is there. In your mess, He is there. In your finances, He is there. In your relationship, He is there. In your doctor's report, He is there. When you met with your boss, He is there. When you may meet with the ones you're managing, He is there. Even you're, when you're having that argument that you can never see eye to eye with your spouse, He is there. He is the Lord. Why is heaven going to be so heavenly? The answer is because we will all submit to one sovereign king. The most beautiful thing that I saw last week was uh, as the queen, Queen Elizabeth, was laid there for the viewing, there were people who stood in line for hours and hours. One among them was my favorite soccer player, football player, was David Beckham. He stood for hours. Hey, he, had, he has more fans on Instagram than the queen. I believe. People would want to take a selfie with David Beckham than with the Queen. He really can't. He stood there for hours to get to his turn to give a homage, to give a bow to the Queen. Why did Beckham have to do that? Because he knew that the crown is not on his head. We all bow down to the King. King Jesus. King Jesus is who we worship. As we spend this time in an attitude of prayer, the prayer team would come forward and as Pastor Ashish also prays, if there's a couple, individual, who might need prayers for something that's about to happen and you need direction, you need clarity, you need God, King Jesus, to sit at that chair at the head of the table and give you direction. If you are in need of that, you can. This is an invitation for you to come forward this Sunday. If the Spirit of God impressed on your heart, hey, this is a major project that's about to happen. This is a major diagnosis that just came. This is a major step that we need to take. And I, I need prayers. If that is you, as the worship team leads us in song, we're going to pray for you. Thank you for listening. We love bringing you the word on so many different platforms. We are so thankful for what God is doing in and through us. We'd love for you to subscribe so you don't miss out. And don't forget to share this message if it has blessed you.